Verdugo back to the pen. He oh. caught it. He took it back. He's doing everything right now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the TC and Company podcast. Tom Karen with you as we wrap up uh, an incredible homestand. Red Sox uh, wrapping things up against the Detroit Tigers. Uh, this is sort of the coming uh, of age party of the 2022 Red Sox, if you will. A lot of fans were caught up in the Celtics and the NBA run all the way to Game six of the finals, the U.S. Open kind of grabbed everybody's attention over the weekend, but that is all done and gone now. And a lot of fans turning their eyes towards this baseball team to see what this is all about, and they got to like what they've seen. Certainly uh, a great record in the month of June uh, going into this final game of the homestand, 15-4 and four in June. They've already won six consecutive series. And in the middle of uh, this homestand was the weekend series with the Cardinals, and that's a first-place team. And while it got adventurous, the Red Sox took two out of three from the Cardinals, and that might give you a little bit of confidence because after this homestand, 33 of 36 games are against not only teams with winning records, but teams that currently are holding on to a playoff spot. And that goes all the way into August when they're in Houston, and they are at that point, by the end of that series, past the trade deadline, which is August 2nd this year. So I think we're going to know a lot about this team over the next few weeks, especially a two-week stretch going into the All-Star break where they go to Tampa and New York, or actually they start home against Tampa and New York, then they go to Tampa and New York. So seven with the Yankees, seven with the Rays, <clears throat> leading right into the All-Star break. And then you come out of the All-Star break, you only got 70 games left. The All-Star break happening a little late this year, so you're well past the midway point. And you got to know Haim Bloom is going to make decisions based on where the team stands at the end of July. So uh, they got to start beating some AL East teams, uh, but you can't beat them until you play them, and that's coming in a few weeks, actually next week, <clears throat> in Toronto. So bullpen has been terrific. Tanner Houck, 5-for-5 in save opportunities. 6-for-6 six six now. 6-for-6 six six in save opportunities career-wise. And uh, he now uh, certainly helps out the back end of that bullpen. And one of the key setup guys to get to him is going to join us on this week's show. John Schreiber has been a find for this team. He's been incredible. And uh, he's going to join me to talk about the success they've had and uh, his role in the post-game celebrations they're having behind closed doors that they won't tell us anything about. We'll try to get a little information out of him uh, when he joins us. But first, leading off, as he always does, Tyler Boronsky with us. Uh, Tyler's trending topics, as always. Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing well. First, of all, I just want to say thanks to John for you know he did Bradford show earlier in the week. He did intentional talk on uh, Tuesday, I believe, and it's nice of him to save the best for last. That's so absolutely thanks for right. For yeah, us. and you know I, I try to tell him that a lot of guys who go on the Bradford show, uh, their seasons go in the tank. Uh, in fact, I think what you're going to see a lot of Tyler is guys who go on the Bradford show, then quickly booking an appearance on this show to get their season back on track because, you know, we've well you documented. You don't want the stock to drop too, That's too right. quickly. We so. have documented uh, quite publicly the great success people have had. Michael Waka has a complete game right after appearing on the show. Uh, Christian Vasquez, 10th inning RBI right after appearing on the show. Jackie Bradley Jr. had five hits in three games right after appearing on the show. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, we had others. Uh, I mean, I always think Ryan Fitzgerald bound Ryan down Fitzgerald AAA. So, you know, leading the Woo Sox in home we runs. We expand past Fenway Park. That's you right. Know, so. That's right. Dan Duquette got inducted into the Red Sox <laughs> Hall of Fame. I mean, technically, he came on 
because he was getting inducted in the Hall of Fame, but it still didn't happen until right after he came on the show. So, again, if you're having uh, difficulties in your life, whatever you do, call us, and we'll put you on the show, and your wife will love you more, your, uh, <laughs> your husband will start doing the dishes, what, whatever's going on in your house can be fixed with an appearance. But that was a, uh, a quick side. That's a promo. It was a, a promo. That's a promo for the TC yeah, & Company absolutely. podcast. But right you at are, the top, right at the top. And the you are in company, as uh, we know. Uh, yeah. So uh, what do you got this week? Yeah, well, it's been a fun week just because we've seen so many unexpected faces here. It feels like an unofficial 04 reunion. we got Ortiz in the house, Manny in the house, uh, Keith Folk here, Malara, I know he, he's scheduled to be here, so we knew he was coming. But uh, it's just so many faces. There wasn't like a special event this week, so it's just like, we didn't know these people were coming, especially Manny the other day on Monday. So we were thinking, could that be the biggest, I mean, other than, uh, like you said, a, a planned event? Uh, that yes. might have been the biggest organic gathering of the 0-4 team at Fenway in, in a long time, right? You had Ortiz and Manny, where they threw out the first pitch together. Manny to Ortiz. You mentioned Folk was here because yeah. all their kids. Shoot, I'll throw Lenny in, too. I mean, Lenny's, Lenny's part of the here. team. <laughs> Veritech in uniform, Veritech, right? yes. Millar up in the booth. So there's uh, there's six anyway. Yeah, I, I don't was know thinking if Curtis Laskanik was somewhere watching the game, but you never know. <laughs> We Seriously. could uh, find, but that was pretty cool, wasn't it? It uh, was pretty the, cool. The Manny yeah. uh, appearance up with uh, Millar in our booth mm -hmm. was fantastic. Uh, Alex Cora not real thrilled that David was facetiming Millar <laughs> up in the booth and then trying to stick it in the face of the manager of the Red Sox while he was managing the game. Uh, so he kept feeding him sunflower seeds to uh, shut David up, basically. Yeah, I think there's going to be a little sign. Sometimes you see on those seats where it's like a reserve for this person. There's going to be a sign that says, reserve for anyone but David Ortiz yeah, next good to luck. Cora's yeah, but good luck. Right I mean, there. you try yeah. to tell David Ortiz where he can and can't go. Yeah. How do you think that's going to go over? N not too well. I don't, I don't think Cora's going to get his wish, but... Uh, Big Poppy rules the house. We know that. So that was a cool yeah. visit. My, no my favorite that. line from Cora in his post game would, would go back to Manny is that only Manny Ramirez would miss his Hall of Fame ceremony, but show up on a random Monday night unannounced to throw out a first pitch against the right. Tigers. You know, right. it was just yeah, Manny there, being Manny at the end of the day. These, you know, executives at Nesson yelling, why didn't we know he was throwing out the first pitch so that we could show it live? The Red Sox didn't know <laughs> he was throwing out the first pitch. He just showed up and said, <laughs> give me a ball. I'll throw out the first pitch. Yeah. That's Manny being Manny. I know Blaney and I are a videographer. We were talking yesterday that we did get a little feeling, you know, his son and David's son played for the Brockton Rocks and kind of next door, and they were at the game the day before. So, okay, maybe he could potentially come to Fenway, but we, we didn't know the next day he would be showing up. Oh, but so. I, can, I, can, I can tell you this. I was watching batting practice with Keith Folk and the kids, and and Folk, at least at that point, didn't seem to have any clue those guys were coming. Really? Because we oh, were okay. talking about the kids huh. and talking about what's going on. Uh, I think he I think he'd mentioned David might be coming, but I, I didn't hear you know he didn't mention Manny at all. Now again, I didn't ask because I yes. didn't know nobody knew he was coming. But that would be a classic Manny yeah. moment by having him just draw, yeah. show so up. It was just a lot of unexpected faces this whole week. Even the outside the 04 team, Brock Holt showed up randomly last week. Um, I didn't know he was coming. I saw him in the park line. Of course, I asked. Tease. I knew he was I coming, and that's why I was like, like, "Hey, did you know Brock? Come on!" Yeah, and I thought that afterwards too. The second I asked that question, I'm like, "Why am I asking TC if he knows?" Of course, TC knows. You might have picked him up. The, picked him up from the airport. All I know. So <laughs> no, but like, Ian Griff came on uh, the Father's Day edition of the pregame yes, show, which yeah. was awfully nice. Yeah. Might have to get Brock and uh, maybe the whole family on yeah. the uh, on the podcast yeah. here at some time in the not too distant future. Absolutely. Well, that, that's all you all new to yes, set up. Thank so uh, that would be all fun. right. What else you got? Yeah, and, and league wide in the baseball world, Mike Trout the last series against the Mariners in Seattle. Five home runs in the series. Four of those 
go-ahead home runs. That's the first time in Major League history that's happened. That yeah, in where one was that series. in the 14-game losing streak? Seriously. Right? But, I mean, it is. I was trying to He had that every, over 26 yeah. slump, and I guess you could kiss that goodbye now. Every now and again, you, you let yourself kind of forget that Mike Trout is probably, you know, again, there are other contenders for the crown now, but he's still the face of the game and the best player in the game. And, and just when you start to think that that is changing, he does something like this. I think for us, too, being on the East Coast, we, we just don't appreciate it enough. Right. We don't see him play enough. And, then, like, the last time we saw him play, he got injured. So it's just we have such a small sample size here in New England watching him. But, yeah, you get reminded quickly. We're watching highlights. And I do got to say, though, that those five home runs in one series against the Mariners this year, that's not the first time it's happened, though. Do you know who the second other player that did it this against year? Against the Mariners? Against the Mariners this, this year. season. He I plays don't. for our, our Boston Red Sox. Who had five? They had five home runs. Oh, it was Trevor Story. Trevor Story, that let's them. go. I so forgot it wasn't, that was the Mariners, right? It's a rare feat, but not as rare as you might think. So there Against you go. the Mariners. Yeah, against, uh, against the man, Mariners Dave specifically. Dave Sims, so. I feel bad for Dave Sims calling those games. <laughs> I mean, last year, they were like America's team in September, yeah. remember? I mean, his call when they, on Saturday night, when they rallied to win the game. Yeah, I think it was Haneker like, got you know, the yeah, head. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, and they'll be tomorrow. And it was just electric. And now look at him. Yeah, I know. So. Head back to being the Mariners. Uh, all right, that, we got anything else? Any, any, yeah, you're, the, you're my guy on social. You right, are, right. You are keeping an eye on the trending moments in Major League yeah. Baseball. What so do you my got? screen time's up on my phone. That's <laughs> it's for good reason. I hate so. that. Why does it, is there a way to turn that off, by the way? There probably is. It's I honestly like, just ignore the notification because I, I know it's up. everybody in the house's phone go off at once, and everybody <laughs> yes, then yes. swears at the same time. Oh, I'm up 37%. Yeah. It's a game I don't like to compare with other people, so I, yeah. I don't like it too much. But the last thing, wholesome. Wholesome moment alert. Uh, I'll say the Contreras brothers, Wilson, who plays for the Cubs, William, that plays for the Braves, both catchers in the big leagues. They played against each other for their first time in their big league career in awesome. at Wrigley the other day. Um, William behind the plate for the Braves. Wilson about to take his at bat, and they kind of have a nice embrace. And those two are really close. They grew up in Venezuela together. Um, Wilson, actually, he said in an interview, last time he saw William play, though, was in, like, Little League because Wilson left. Venezuela to come to the United States at 17 years old, wow. sign with the Cubs. There's a six-year six gap between the two of them. Um, and it, you could just see how special that moment, moment was. Both their parents were in attendance for the series. So uh, I know Wilson was <laughs> shedding some tears in the, in the post-game press conference, too, just talking about it. So That's I thought awesome. that, was a, that was a pretty special moment. When, when, when one of my sons was young, he was a catcher. He wanted to be a catcher. And uh, I was going to change his name to Molina. Figured if you want to be a catcher, you should be a Molina. Now maybe it's Contreras. Yeah, if you absolutely. want to be a catcher, you should change your name to yeah. Contreras. Uh, maybe. I think that's the case. So, uh, you know, we've seen that a few times. Brothers playing on the same field. I think the even on that same team, the Darno brothers, the Travis right. and right. Chase back in the day. Yeah. I don't know, remember a few years ago, there's a journeyman for, for the Marlins, Brian Moran, and his first big league uh, outing, he strikes out his brother, Colin, Ooh. on the other side. Uh, who was on Pittsburgh the at the time. My favorite like that, so. they're not related at all, but was it uh, the, the Dodgers pitcher Will Smith who struck <laughs> yeah, out yeah. Will Smith? <laughs> right, right, yeah. And nobody got slapped. So no one got slapped. No one got slapped. That was the best so. moment. All right, so uh, good stuff as always, Tyler. Thanks. You're bringing it. Well done. Uh, it. Now it's time for our marquee interview. Uh, and it is this week uh, the man of the hour in the Red Sox bullpen, John Schreiber, uh, has taken on a bigger and bigger role uh, later and later in games to the point where with uh, Tanner Houck unavailable Tuesday night, he came in to get the final out in a one-run win, and it was against Miguel Cabrera. And it's a great backstory because Schreiber played with Cabrera in Detroit, and Schreiber is from Detroit, uh, Michigan, nearby, and grew up cheering for Miguel Cabrera and winds up having to get him out to end the game. It was a pretty cool moment, and he and Fenway absolutely erupted with energy 
after that last out. And uh, this is the conversation with John Schreiber, the guest on this week's TC and Company podcast. Uh, one of the great stories of this Red Sox season has been the way the bullpen has evolved over the course of the last couple of months. And John Schreiber, a big part of that. Uh, you know, I remember saying at the beginning of the year, even as even as the record wasn't good, right, and the bullpen was kind of going through a transition, it was like bullpens are such fluid things. They kind of organically take on a life, right? Different guys step into different roles. That changes throughout the year. And it feels like right now you got a lot of guys who are stepping into roles and are really relishing, right? Matt Strom kind of did it early. you got Tanner Houck now on the back end. You've been a really big part of that. What has it meant for you? to sort of see that role grow, for, for Alex to give you more high leverage opportunities and to be such a big part of this. Uh, yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, uh, the more I'm out there, the more confidence I get. And I think that's just been a major um, factor is just having more confidence when I go out there. And, you know, I think that's what's helped me um, have some success out there on the mound. And, you know, over the past couple of years, I think I've grown mentally a lot and it's it's been it's been exciting. So. You're 28 years old, young by human standards, not young by pitching or Major League Baseball standards, right? Everything you've been through, the chances you've had, the opportunities that you've made for yourself, does all of that factor into who you are now? Like the adversity you've faced along the way career-wise, does that make you a better pitcher now? Yeah, I just think over the years, just learning um, from guys and learning from veterans, uh, just the mental aspect of the game, what you have to do uh, to have success and the routines you have to, you know, evolve over the years and all that kind of stuff what you need to do and to be successful all that's um you know just been a major factor in trying to figure out who i am as a pitcher out there and how to uh, have some success up here in the big leagues so all that leads to uh a ninth inning uh, fenway park tying run on bottom of the ninth two outs and miguel cabrera at the plate for a michigan kid a detroit kid <laughs> Is that surreal when you're driving home last night thinking about what you had just done? Yeah, I mean, it's insane. I, I mean, I grew up watching, uh, you know, Miggy with the Tigers my whole life. And, you know, I was teammates with him for a little bit. And it was just an, uh, an incredible moment to be able to, you know, have him in the box and be able to face him. So, Do you have to block it out? Like, do you have to not pitch to the name? You know, make sure you don't let yourself start thinking, oh, my God, it's Miguel Cabrera at the plate. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to block out um, – you know, a lot of things out there, just, you know, trying to execute my pitches and do the best I can. So a couple nights ago, you hit 97. Where'd that come from? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I put in a lot of work this uh, past You, you did. And the velocity has so. been there throughout. And we'll get to that. But I mean, just that, that we were all like, oh, my God, he's facing the Tigers. And he's like, he's going to throw 100 before the <laughs> night's over. But there seemed to be a little extra something there. Um, I think I, I think I hit 97 a couple nights ago. Oh, did you? Okay. That. Um, but I don't think that had anything to do with me throwing any harder or any slower or any of that. I was just trying to go out there and, you know, execute my pitches the best I can. Your velocity, you know, you look over the last season, I know it wasn't where you wanted to be at the beginning of the year, but it increased as the season went on. So is it a case of you just came in at a, at a higher baseline this year? The work you did in the offseason sort of got you started and now it's even moving up from there? Yeah, I came in last year into spring training and, um, you know, I got into a my first spring training here with the Red Sox and I remember looking back at the uh, the board and seeing 88 up there on the gun and I was you know pretty disappointed and uh, you know throughout the season it obviously came back and where I wanted to be and you know thinking about last spring training I you know in the back of my head I was like okay I need to do a little bit something different here just to be ready to go for next year and I think that's 
you know, I did that uh, pretty well and, you know, I was ready to go. So, I mean, work harder, work more is kind of the old cliche, but is that yeah. what it was or did you do something different? Did you find a whole new routine in the off season? Yeah, was, you know, I think the, you know, the workout regimen was the same, but, um, you know, the throwing program was completely different. You know, I feel like it was a complete overhaul um, of what I was used to, used to doing. And, um, you know, instead of picking up a baseball, you know, mid-November, I was maybe took took a week or two off and picked up a ball and was trying to get going right away. So, You've worked with Paul Abbott down in Worcester quite a bit, uh, and everybody raves about uh, you know his ability to unlock potential. What, what did he do for you? What's he been like, and what's that relationship like? Yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, he's an incredible person, incredible coach. Um, you know, we were working on a couple pitches um, these past couple of years, and he's helped me with my sinker a lot and, you know, continue to help me with my changeup. Um, and, you know, just the little things mechanically he'll point out and what you need to work on. And he's just been amazing with, uh, you know, the pitching staff and the guys coming up. So always a sidearm guy. Do you yeah, like, yeah. where did that start? Do you know, uh, modeled think, after I, anybody? I think my arm slot has always been the same. Um, you know, maybe when I first got into professional baseball, I, you know, got my upper body down a little bit. Um, don't know why, but it just happened, <laughs> but I've been pitching like that ever since. And, you know, I look at guys like C-Shack and uh, Pat Neshek and all those guys, and I mean, they're they, they're just incredible sidearm guys. And you know, that's those are some videos I look at all the time. So, anything important to say about Dave Bush as he walks by the back of the camera? He's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> smart young man. He's learning well. Uh, I was at Chad Bradford. Remember Chad Bradford? Yep. We Chad had him Bradford. here for a little bit way back, yep. and it's funny. We did this thing once with Photoshop, essentially, and we kind of cut him off at the waist and tilted him back up and his arms actually up there right, if, right? he yeah. was all upper body is that is that like how much of it is arm how much of it is body um i you know i think you just try and find a you know an arm slot that you're comfortable with and then you know as you grow older you know through you know little league high school college you start to figure out how your body works and what's the most comfortable and what how you can produce the, the most uh, torque and force um, out of your body. And I think, you know, guys try and find that or, you know, it's just a combination of different things that, um, you know, pitchers do, you know, what, you know, if I do this, maybe the hitters can't see it as well, or, you know, this, you know, stuff like that. Teams try to mess with it over the years, coaches, like, because, you know, I feel like if you're over the top, they sort of might tweak it a little, a little bit. I feel they're always messing with, with, with sidearm or submariner type guys. They're always like, bring it up, bring it down. Did, did you get a lot of that along the way? Um, no, I haven't really gotten any of that uh, through my career is, you know, just minor things, just like staying back longer, and trying to keep your, uh, you know, up, not opening up with your upper body as much and staying, staying closed and stuff like that, so. The two seamers become really important, right? Yeah. I mean, you've always had to change, but now you're sort of able to use that sinker from the side, which mm -hmm. you can see guys really aren't getting a good look at. Uh, how did that develop and how much have you worked on uh, trying to master that pitch? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I first came over here uh, to the Red Sox, um, you know, working with Paul Abbott, we were just talking about the two seam and just talking about how having that pitch, you know, gets guys off my four seam fastball. Um, Cause that's, you know, that's the pitch that I've thrown my whole life. You know, I have never thrown a sinker before. And, you know, once, once I figured out how to how to throw my sinker and how to get command with it. Um, like I said, it, it got guys off my four seam and, you know, helped my slider a lot more, you know, getting more swing misses off that, so. Is there a moment in a, in a major league game? Cause I always feel like 
guys who work on a pitch or change a, a grip or something like it's all well and fine until you get out there and now right. you're facing the best hitters in the world. Was there a moment in game and at bat where you sort of said, all right, this, this works. I, I trust this. There wasn't really a certain moment. Um, you know, I think just throwing it more often up here and, you know, seeing some of the swing and misses I got on it, you know, I got more confident with it, you know, especially against righties throwing the sinker, you know, in at the hands, um, you know, having them swing through it, you know, I, then I just started to see, okay, this is a quality pitch that I have and, you know, it's helped me out. This uh, this group, this club, this uh, this bullpen. What's it like out there? I mean, it's it's not the most uh, luxurious dugout uh, uh, bullpen. We are fully aware of that. You got that little bathroom, and you got a little bit of space. But it also, yeah, I mean, you got to be together. Like you, you better you better like each other because there's not a lot of space. What's it like out there? And what's this group like? You having fun? Yeah, we're we're having fun out there. I mean, we're all trying to go out there and uh, compete to our best abilities and contribute to help win games. And you know, everybody's doing that right now. And you know, we're having a good time out there in the bullpen. We're staying locked in. You know, we're every time somebody gets a hit out here, we're standing up out of the bullpen and giving some love to those guys for getting a hit or scoring a guy and all that kind of stuff. So David Ortiz was here the other night. Um, <clears throat> I won't go down. I know Rob Bradford had you on the show and he started digging out your their Tigers fandom and make you relive a lot of bad moments. But that Grand Slam in 2013, where were you and what was that reaction like? Yeah, I was I was at my uh, parents' house and. You know, I was a freshman in college, and you know, everybody fell asleep that night, and I was the only one up in the in the living room. And you know, I was like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, we got this game. And you know, David Ortiz hit that grand slam, and I remember just you know cursing throughout the house, and I threw something at my bedroom door and almost put a hole through it. I remember I was like, oh god. <laughs> it's funny how like one moment like that can really change things. You know, like we we yeah. do the post game show, we we do it out there. We used to do it on the street. And so in like the eighth inning, I would come down from the press box and go out there, right? You got to be ready for the end of the game. And, I, you know, they got dominated in game one, right? They, they pretty, almost got no hit, right, in game one. And here it is the eighth inning. They got nothing going in game two. And I'm thinking, this thing's never coming back from Detroit, right? They're going to lose out there. So I come down and, and kind of stomp in in the crowd to watch Ortiz at bat. And, you know, these fans are like, yeah, you know me. And then he hits a great slam. And I'm like, you know he was going to do it. It's like, no, man, I was out here because I thought it was the last at bat of the home <laughs> season, you know. But it really, I mean, Big Poppy kind of had that presence. You know, he right. could turn things around yeah. on, on a swing of a bat. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the greatest hitters ever, you know. And Did you get to talk to him the other night? No, I never got even Even over here, he was talking to everybody during the game. I mean, Cora <laughs> couldn't even focus on the game because he was, like, FaceTiming people trying to put it in AC's face. <laughs> he's unbelievable. Uh, and now we're getting – and I know you won't divulge team secrets – but we're hearing a little bit about some of the celebration that goes on after a win. And uh, we understand that you're, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. <clears throat> what are they, is it just a DJ? You, Etri, Sean Blaney, our photographer, you, you've done some DJ work, right? So you have a guy who goes to like uh, bar mitzvahs and stuff, right? And he's the show guy. Uh, is there a name for this? Is it just DJ? Hype man. Hype man. So you're kind of the hype man of the <laughs> celebration we're hearing, right? Is that yeah, fair? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, there's some theatrics going on after, after the, the win after every game and you know everybody loves it there in the locker room so i just go out there and keep doing it and how did that come it. about like like you know what i mean you're not david ortiz you can't just go into that room and say hey i'm gonna do this after a win like how did that how did you get you talk about confidence it probably takes more confidence to do that than what you do on the mound. uh i started out in worcester i believe and you know we always talk about it. we don't know how or when it started i think just like a random song came on after a walk-off win or something and they saw me dancing by my locker 
celebrate and, and everybody told me to go out in the middle of the clubhouse and do what I was doing and I think it just took off after that after every win they would tell me to get out there and <laughs> Chris Sale see it in Worcester yeah he saw it in Worcester and like you said so was, that can go one of two ways yeah, right? right he can either give yeah. you that oh my god, oh my god who's this guy <laughs> yeah right uh but he loved it and you know last year when I came up uh for that little stint I had um you know he was like all right you better do it when you come up here. <laughs> so I, I was a little nervous that time, but now I've gotten a little bit more comfortable, uh, you know, doing that. So. Is it because you're an incredibly good dancer or an incredibly awkward dancer? I, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody will know ever. All right, all right. We'll, we'll do a poll on that. We'll have to ask some of the guys. Uh, you know, when, when, when you think about playing here, and I know, you know, you were pitching for your hometown team, right? And that's got to be special. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, 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 yeah, we've talked. I mean, God, we've talked to JD Martinez about it, right? A team actually walked away from JD Martinez, right? A team walked away from David Ortiz, right? The Twins let him go. Like it can happen to anybody, but you gotta gotta regroup, right? I mean, that's gotta be a difficult thing to sort of get your head around and say, okay, I'm not gonna let this derail my dreams and derail my career. So, what was that process like, and and from going from that to going to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when um, you know, I was DFA. I was I was disappointed in myself just because the way I was pitching and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I think that really you know flipped a switch. Uh, you know, for me to really try and figure out what what do I have to do to have the right routine to get to where I want to be. And um, you know, and I think you know when that light you know when that switch flipped. You know, I think everything just took off after that, and I started to see more uh, better results and all that kind of stuff. So. Confidence is everything, right? Exactly. Especially for a reliever. Yeah, you got to have it. Mm-hmm. And and a couple last important questions to get to the beard. Do you feel like we were talking about this last night? Do you feel that adds to your mound presence? Do you think you're scary looking on the mound with a beard? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I feel like I'm a different person, you know, close up and talking to people than I am when I'm out in the bullpen getting ready to come in here because I'm yelling and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan Papelbon, when he, when he was here, when he was closing, he used to tell us that he, he really, like, coming out of the bullpen, he almost felt like a, like a, a character. Like he wasn't himself. He was, he's called Cinco Ocho, right? He was 58. Ocho Cinco was yeah. a football player. And, but he was like, I would become Cinco Ocho. Like, I, I would become this, this badass dude. He goes, that wasn't really who I was necessarily, but I had to be. Like, is there a little bit of that? Like, this is, this is. John Triber, the pitcher, who's coming to get you. I might be joking with somebody before the game, but I got to be that guy on the mound. Yeah, I think that's where the confidence comes in, and I feel like you know, once I found that confidence, I feel like that turned me into a different character out there. And you know, I think that's when I found uh, you know, just just like what I had to be out there to have some success. So you know, you show the emotion, uh, especially after a game like last night. Fans seem to eat that up. Do you feel that connection a little bit with these Red Sox fans? Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like I can't hear anything when I'm out on the mound. And, you know, when I'm getting fired up, you know, I think it's just that adrenaline coming out. And, you know, I'm so locked into everything. And, you know, I can't really focus on anything but, you know, pitching. And, you know, just letting all that out just feels so good. And, you know, I don't even notice it. And You say you can't hear anything. and. But like when it ends, like all of a sudden, does the world around you come back into focus or something? Like you all of a sudden hear the crowd? <laughs> I don't think it happens. I don't think I settle down until I know I'm, you know, I'm not going back out there. I'm, but I'm last night, the game's over. Yeah. Like you're walking off that mound. All of a sudden, <laughs> are you aware of what's the crowd going nuts? Like was there a moment walking off that mound last night where you could feel it? I, yeah, I could definitely feel the energy after, 
after walking off and you know it's a, it's a good feeling coming out after that so i feel detroit and boston are very similar sports towns in a lot of ways right it's like so much passion for all the sports you were talking right. before like you were a kid you know in those days the red wings were seemed to be winning all the time yeah you know, you, you had the Pistons and the Lions and obviously the Tigers. Uh, do you feel about a little bit of similarity here, especially the last week, right? We had the NBA Finals across town. You had the U.S. Open in town. You know, that stuff comes by Detroit once in a while, the golf. Do you feel that similarity between Boston and Detroit as far as sports towns go? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, ever since I've been here, it's been incredible. And, you know, we're playing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I remember somebody asked me, like, oh, do you, like, you guys draw a good crowd on, you know, Tuesday? I'm like, I'm like, dude, we're sold out every every night. <laughs> I'm like, so I mean, this city's awesome. The fans are awesome, and you know, I'm I'm just enjoying so much being here. When Mike Lowell came here, I've been telling me he's like, you realize it on the second day. If you're with the team all year, you realize it in game two. Game one sold out, but home openers sold out everywhere. Right. Because then you come back the next day, you expecting twelve thousand. No, it's thirty-seven thousand again. The place is bonkers every night, and it's here early. Like you can feel it early, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's it's insane. Just you know. Seeing the amount of fans here, just the you know, love of the t- of this team that they you know come out to see, and it's just incredible. So, all right, last question here. I'm going to ask you to take part in a little podcast on podcast uh, hate. Okay, I know you're on the Rob Bradford podcast, and we have a little rivalry going oh God. because the guys who've come on my podcast have all gone off after they Michael Walker came on complete game in his next star. <laughs> Uh, Jackie Bradley had five hits in three games uh, after coming on. The Vasquez uh, hit the tenth inning. Go ahead, RBI. I don't. I'm worried about you because you're already killing it. So I don't know where you can go from here. Um, but if you want to say something about how your career is sort of, you know, your seasons continued even though you appeared on the Rob Bradford podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't make you do that. Don't worry. Uh, but just good things are in store for you, right? Because you came on this. Uh, yeah, if you say so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the appropriate answer. Yeah, if you say so, buddy, whatever. Uh, listen, it's uh, been great spending some time with you. Congrats on the success, really. Thank it's been so a lot much. of fun to watch. I, I know the it. fans are loving it and uh, looking forward. It's going to be a long road trip. Things get tougher now, right? Uh, I mean, the schedule, you're going to get a lot of Yankees in uh, Tampa in, in July. But uh, yep. this team's got to be the confidence now, right? I mean, you, you can talk about who you want about playing a winning team or a losing team. But winning breeds confidence. Now right. you guys have to feel like you can take on anybody now, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we like where we're at right now. Everybody's, you know, the energy in the clubhouse is where we want to be. And, you know, everybody's contributing on every level. And, you know, we're excited, uh, you know, game by game. So appreciate the visit. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for the me. time. Yeah, no problem. All right, special thanks to uh, John Schreiber for appearing on the podcast this week. Tried to get a rebuttal from Rob Bradford, but he's uh, far too important. Wait, here comes Rob Bradford now. Uh, Rob Bradford joining the show. Uh, Rob, who, who bailed on you? You weren't here. No, no, we just finished. Oh, who do you have? John Schreiber. Uh, and and so it dawned on me. Really? Uh, first really? of all, I talked did to him. Did you call him 8 Mile? Uh, I did. That's so, come on. Have you been on 8 Mile? He said. Have you? No, no, no. I, I, he have said, you? He said that I've he, been on 8 Mile. Right. Okay. Well, of course. I've been on 8 Mile. And you're no in 8 a, Mile. In a, in, in a Toyota Avalon. No, okay. this is a true story. Ready? Yeah. Story time. Uh, it was after a, uh, 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 what do they call it? The Tigers. After a Tigers game, Red Sox Tigers game. It's like a four o'clock game. You know, it's right next to Ford Field, as you know, whatever it's called now, yes. the football stadium. Uh, is it still Ford Field? I don't Did know. They changed that? Yeah. Conf- Tyler confirms. Sure. Uh, uh, Eminem was playing a concert that night at Ford Field. So the, re- <laughs> like so the Red Sox Tigers game ends at like seven. Hmm. And. <laughs> What you would expect as far as the parade of humanity showing up to the M&M show shows up. There are, I mean, it was, home, you know, it was Detroit. 
So there's roads blockaded everywhere. And we're like going left and right, you know, because it's usually pretty easy and easy. We're going back to Dearborn where the hotel is. All of a sudden, we're like not in the best part of town. And we're on eight mile. And there's barricades that like you can't get off. And we're and we're stopping getting some interesting note because it's it's four guys in a Toyota Avalon that's clearly a rental. Mm. And so we call the hotel, which is a very upscale hotel. We're staying with the Red Sox. And she's like, where are you? And we're like, well, we're on the corner blank and eight miles. She goes, oh, my God, get out of there. You know, you know who was so, in the crowd at that concert? Who? John Schreiber. Oh, I should John have asked him about Schreiber. that. Yeah. I should have asked him. But I did, I did ask him about um, his, his season continuing to go in the right direction despite his appearance on the Bradfoe show. <laughs> and, and we did have a good conversation. He wouldn't bite. You'll be happy to know he wouldn't bite. No, because he had the time of his life. Well, it's not about fun. It's about, it's about, it's about results. Okay? Right. So your, your development. You're about development, character no, development. I, I'm, about, I'm about results. I'm about the I'm tough about questions, winning games, the truth. Okay? And, and it dawned on me, as I said to Tyler, that what might happen now is guys go on your podcast see a dip in results, immediately have their booking agent call me to get their seasons back you on know, track. You I, know, I, I thought I heard that Mookie Betts was in town. <laughs> is, that, is that the reason why? Uh, is that the reason how's, why? It, how's he been doing lately? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It was funny. Like after, after you broke that down, and I said, well, no, we have Mookie. He's doing fine. And then he broke his wrist. <laughs> Looking on the transaction. Uh, Mookie on the IL. Boy, yeah, that was a good move of John Schreiber jumping on your podcast. To well, I told him he time. will challenge this because, he, I don't know, he can do much better. Then he's done. I mean, really, you know what I mean? I mean, what, I mean, what's he going to do? Usually they come on my show when their season takes off. Right. You know what my takeaway? Listen back. Like, you know, we, we do these podcasts with these younger folk. And so I'm looking at his. They're all younger I'm, 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 I'm look, You're younger folk right, I'm me. looking at his beard, you know, up close yeah. and personal. And we're talking about the beard and, like, growing out the beard. I'm like, well, you ever do the elastic band thing? Like Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> And, and like, and then, and of course, of course, Coop jumps. Right Coop, yeah, well, of course, Coop jumps in and says, "No, Jose Abreu." Oh, Abreu, right? Does yeah, it, right. But I mentioned Captain Lou Albano, and he's looking at you. Oh, Who? yeah, he smiles Who? and laughs you and know, very polite. You know. Yeah, I remember Jerry Garcia. You yeah. know, with the beard, kind of float. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks. Was for it good? By. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. I, I didn't really bring you on for like a post-game show. I just brought you on to tell you oh. that uh, it is now. You know, I'm now infecting your podcast in the minds of the players. Well, listen. Listen, <laughs> how bad things are you are you are not the first or the last thing thing or person that has infected my podcast. So there you go. <laughs> podcast right. on podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you uh, go, right here. Rob Bradford, friend of the show. Uh, as we wrap it up, we thank you for listening. Uh, remember, subscribe. What do they have to do, Rob? They like, they subscribe. What? Uh, he doesn't know. Uh, subscribe, like. Is that still a thing, Tyler? It's still a thing. So subscribe, guess, yeah. like. Have you gotten all your friends and family to subscribe and I like? Have. I keep texting have all you? of them. I haven't done that to anybody yet. <laughs> I'm off. Well, then my kids don't even subscribe to this. All right, I got to change that. You're going to see a big spike in numbers next Robbie, week. Robbie, you hearing this? You Robbie, <laughs> let's go. You got to subscribe, like, and all that. Uh, all right, good stuff. Uh, on the road next week, we'll see what we come up with. It's going to be a special one. We're going to talk about a little uh, rock and roll next week. Okay. That's a little tease. Because uh, the Hot Soul of Cool Music Chicago edition is going to come after the Friday game between the Red oh, Sox yeah. and Cubs at Wrigley. Uh, we're going to talk about that, that event and more next week on the TC and Company podcast. Thanks to John Schreiber for dropping by. Thanks to Tyler Boronsky, Rob Bradford, uh, and you, our loyal uh, listener. Unless you haven't subscribed, then, then you're not that loyal, are you? We'll see you next time on the TC and Company podcast.